Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Elise was so excited to be a mom when she came to me. She was 34, but so frustrated because getting pregnant wasn't going at all the way she thought it would. What she felt should have been an exciting time for her and her partner had become an anxiety-provoking, stressful one. Two years after going off the pill, which she'd been on to regulate her cycle since she was a teenager, she'd barely had a regular period. Instead, she'd go months between scanty periods, then have a major blowout, as she'd call it, and then again, nothing for months. On top of it, She was experiencing cystic acne and weight gain, neither of which had been a problem for her before the pill. She was feeling pretty discouraged and desperate and worse with each new announcement from a friend that a baby was on the way. She and her husband, according to the recommendations of her OB-GYN, were in the early stages of exploring fertility treatments. Together, we discovered that Elise had PCOS, the likely cause of her her irregular periods that led her to being started on the pill in the first place, but which had never been properly recognized and diagnosed. A few months of dietary changes, nutrients, and herbal treatments, and some acupuncture not only returned Elise's cycle and eased her symptoms, but to her delight, She became pregnant without having to go through the often arduous and expensive process of fertility treatments as she was anticipating she'd have to. The introduction of oral contraceptives in the 1960s was a huge breakthrough for women, giving us so much more autonomy, freedom, and reproductive choice. And a woman's choice to go on or off the pill is her own. I support all women and the choices they make that they feel are best for their bodies and their lives. In another episode of Natural MD Radio and also over on a blog on my website at avivaram.com, I discuss the potential risks associated with the pill. Today, what I want to talk about is quitting birth control if you decide that you don't want to be on it or are ready to get pregnant, because it can be a bumpy ride for some women. So what we're going to talk about is why that could be happening, and I'm going to share with you how to rebalance your hormones naturally with self-care tips, herbs, and supplements, the very same ones that I use in my medical practice. Now, I know it can be a lot to listen to Natural MD Radio and then think, how am I going to write all this down and how am I going to remember all these herbs and supplements and doses? Don't worry, I've got you back over on my website at avivaram.com forward slash 098, avivaram.com forward slash 098. I've got all of this written down for you in the form of an article that corresponds with this podcast. So all the doses are there, everything you need to know and remember, so you can just enjoy, relax, and have a listen. If you, like Elise, have decided it's time to come off the pill, whether because you're ready to get pregnant or you're concerned about the potential risks of hormonal birth control, or you're just ready to try something different for contraception, have no fear. Most women transition off it without much problem. But if you have to come off it, or you've heard horror stories about hormone imbalances, it's still going to be fine. 
You're not doomed to a life of hormone imbalances. And with the targeted strategies I walk you through today, you can reset your hormone balance so that you can really enjoy healthy natural cycles, not pill-imposed ones. And it really doesn't take that long, three to six months at the most. Before we dive in, I want to talk about post-pill syndrome. Is this a real thing? Post-pill syndrome is now used in the women's wellness space, and one author uh, I know is even claiming that she's the first one to ever have talked about it. To be clear, actually in 2008, I coined the term post-OC or oral contraceptive syndrome in my textbook, Botanical Medicine for Women's Health, as one of the causes that women may report having irregular cycles due to, or some hormonal symptoms. But to be clear also, there is no formal condition known as post-OC or post-pill syndrome. That said, there is a consistent set of symptoms that many women report experiencing to various degrees when they stop the pill. Now, there's controversy around this. Statistically, actually, most women, in fact, at least 80%, regain hormonal balance and regular cycles within three months of stopping the pill. However, some don't get their cycles back, post-pill amenorrhea it's called, or they experience a bumpy ride coming off the pill. Like Elise, they've experienced delayed return of their fertility, acne, heavy periods, no periods at all, cramps, and more. They've also likely discovered that conventional medicine has little to nothing to offer them. So what's really going on and why is this happening? Well, there are a few issues at hand. One is that there is a known gap between what science demonstrates and what women actually experience. I talk about this in my podcast and my article, How Medical Gender Bias is Killing Women and How to Save Your Own Life. So what happens is that there can be women reporting adverse effects, even to a medication that they're taking at the time, to their doctor. And we know from statistical studies of this that doctors tend to dismiss us, particularly women, when we report medication side effects. Oh, everybody experiences that, that's normal, or you couldn't possibly experience that from the medication, uh, or it's true, true, and unrelated. These are the kinds of things that we're told. However, studies have also shown that if you wait long enough, like two or three years after a drug has been on the market, enough doctors start reporting that they're hearing the same side effects from different patients. And when you aggregate that information, it does turn out more often than not that 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 side effect was actually a side effect of the pharmaceutical. So part of what is happening is that women come off the pill on their own and maybe just hear on the internet that, you know, it's normal to go through some bumps and shifts when you come off it and they don't go to their doctor, so they never report it, so the doctor never knows it, or they do go to their doctor and the doctor says one of two things, that's normal and it'll clear up, to some extent that's true, or two, that couldn't be because of the pill because there's no such thing as post-pill syndrome. Now, what the data says, again, is that about 80% of women will get their pill will get their cycle back and start having normal hormonal rhythms and symptoms go away within about three months of stopping the pill. So we know that that first three months, there is some irregularity that can happen and that can be induced by being on a whole bunch of hormones and then coming off those hormones to a sort of normal level. And we know, for example, in postpartum women, women who have just had babies, that shift from going from 
being pregnant to being a new mom in those first couple of weeks is a dramatic hormone shift. Estrogen goes down, progesterone goes down, and we can experience a lot of different symptoms, including depression, shifts in our weight, anxiety, and other things. But of course, those are normal hormonal shifts. When you've been on an oral contraceptive, you've been on varying doses. Maybe it's just progesterone. Maybe it's just estrogen. So your body has to adjust and recalibrate to its own normal hormone levels. But there's something else going on, and that is and, and Elisa's story is really representative of this, and as are so many stories of women I work with who come off the pill. And what is happening, and this is not surprising given that 50% at least of all women on the pill are not on it for contraceptive reasons. They're on it because of irregular cycles or acne or mood swings or heavy bleeding or other symptoms that got them put on the pill in the first place. And what's happened is that those symptoms have been suppressed sometimes for six months, sometimes for six years, sometimes, as in Elise's case, for 16 years. Because one of the things that isn't supposed to really happen is that you just go on the pill for a hormone imbalance and then you get left on it forever. It's one thing if you know you get put on it for contraception and you de- decide to stay on it for a long time. I don't necessarily recommend that as the most optimal thing for your body. But it's another thing if you have irregular periods when you're 14 or 15 and you get put on it and nobody ever tells you to come off it and see if your periods are still irregular and nobody ever says, hey, maybe we should figure out why this 15-year-old hasn't gotten her period yet or is having her period and has weight gain and acne and a depression, all of which, for example, can be symptoms of PCOS like it was in Elisa's case. So in my experience and estimation, a lot of what's happening with what is called post-pill syndrome, or as I said in my textbook, I call post-OC syndrome, is that what has been suppressed sometimes for years or decades now that you're off the hormonal suppression, you are those symptoms are resurfacing. And that's exactly what happened in Elisa's case. In fact, had she not been put on the pill, she may have developed the cystic acne that she eventually had or weight gain. And I've had other patients in that very same situation who had those symptoms, those symptoms cleared up to their delight. You know, now you're a 15 or 16-year-old without acne and your weight's getting regulated and you feel better and your hair is great only to come off it later, and those symptoms are symptoms of PCOS. Now, there are other, uh, it can be same with endometriosis or other uh, hormonal imbalances or conditions that involve the hormones. Any of that can be suppressed by the pill, and so when you come off it, you're facing those again. Now, there are a small handful of women who find themselves unexpectedly experiencing symptoms that they never had before. So, They went on the pill for contraception, had felt pretty great until their maybe college years when they went on the pill. Now it's six, eight, 10 years later, they want to come off of oral contraception because they're concerned about it or they want to start a family. And now they have these new hormonal symptoms. Some of the symptoms that women experience, regardless of why they went on the pill, include irregular or skipped periods. So when their bleeding returns, it's erratic. Or as Elise experienced, sometimes it doesn't return at all for quite some time. This could be because periods were irregular before, or now the pill is creating 
interrupted communication between the ovaries and the hypothalamus, the part of the brain that helps regulate the processes that are going on that cause you to ovulate. And when you ovulate normally, you should then have a normal period that follows about two weeks later. When you're not ovulating, a number of different things can happen. You may skip periods altogether, but what could be happening is that the uterine lining, the endometrium, is building up regardless due to the influence of estrogen so that you don't have enough progesterone to really support the lining. Maybe you have some spotting. Maybe you just don't end up with a period or maybe three months later you end up with a period but it's really, really heavy. And sometimes those heavy periods are painful. So that's one of the things that the pill can do is it kind of short circuits, if you will, the conversation that your brain is having with your ovaries. You can also experience heavy menstrual bleeding, as I just mentioned, and that's because if you already had heavy periods before, the pill doesn't address the root causes of that. And so again, you're returning to the hormonal situation that you were in before, or like I mentioned, it could be because you have high estrogen levels or low progesterone, and that high estrogen is what causes that thicker uterine lining. A thicker uterine lining means a heavy period, heavier period. Another thing is that you may have ovulation pain and menstrual cramps once you come off the pill. That's because ovulation is actually suppressed by the pill. You don't experience ovulation pain when you're on it because you're not ovulating. Birth control pills also suppress the amount of prostaglandins you produce. There are two different categories of prostaglandins. There's an anti-inflammatory kind and there's an inflammatory kind. The inflammatory kind is something we naturally produce and we produce it more as we come closer to our period. It causes the uterus to contract and actually shed that uterine lining. And it helps to control the amount of bleeding that you experience. So when that has been suppressed, you're going to get fewer ovulatory cramps and you're less likely to experience period cramps because that prostaglandin has been suppressed. But afterward, they can come on with a vengeance, particularly if you had that problem before. Breakouts are another symptom that a lot of women experience. Oral contraceptives reduce the amount of testosterone produced by the body. And testosterone is associated with acne. This is often why teenage boys have more severe acne than teenage girls. And as your levels return to normal, zits can come along with it. Post-pill acne is especially common if you started the birth control pill to ease acne symptoms in the first place. But I have had patients in my practice who never had acne prior and discovered the misery of it in their late 20s and 30s after stopping the pill. Bloating is another common symptom. The progestin in some pills acts as a diuretic. Progestin actually balances out the, uh, oh, the fluid retention qualities of estrogen. So some women retain fluid after coming off the pill because a lot of the pills that women are on are high in progestin or have some progestin in it. Usually this resolves over time as you reestablish your natural hormone balance, but initially coming off the pill, it can make you feel puffier and fatter. In fact, you can even have a few more pounds that show up on the scale or a feeling that your clothes are tighter because you're actually retaining more water. Mood swings are also another common symptom. Now, the pill itself can initially cause more than usual moodiness, but so can coming off of it as your body moves away 
from this carefully controlled dose of hormones from the pill to your normal ebbs and flows. The pill keeps your hormones at kind of a steady, low-level hum without a lot of variation throughout your cycle. And so when you get your cycle back, we all experience normal shifts in our mood, our energy, our focus, our drive throughout our cycle based on the presence of estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. So now your body is kind of going through its own internal weather, if you will, before it was in a kind of climate-controlled environment. Now, if you had PMS before going on the pill, uh, if you had um, uh, depression before going on the pill, it can become worse when you come off the pill. It's really very variable. But also keep in mind that if you've been on the pill for years, you've also changed in those years. So if you went on the pill in your teens or your 20s and you're in different life circumstances in your 20s or 30s or 40s, your whole life can be different. So the pill kind of kept everything steady while you were going through the ebbs and flows of life and now you're off the pill you're dealing with your own natural hormones and you're dealing with life, it can feel a lot sometimes. Now, another really important um, thing that women can experience, while not actually a symptom, is nutritional deficiencies. And nutritional deficiencies can be actually caused by the pill. And they're also a problem for women who come off the pill hoping to get pregnant right away because low nutrient status has been associated with fertility problems and so you can kind of get this double whammy. So the pill's been associated with robbing a number of nutrients, including B vitamins and magnesium. When you come off of the pill and you've got low B vitamins and low magnesium, that can also really affect your mood because magnesium and B vitamins are important for a sense of inner calm, relaxation, and steadiness. A recent study also found that when women go off the pill, their vitamin D levels drop. In fact, vitamin D levels were 20% lower in women who had just come off the pill than in women who no longer are on it for a much longer period of time or who don't use it at all. So what happens in the body on and off the pill? Oral contraceptives impose a very specific type of hormonal control over the body. While they regulate our cycles and control many hormone symptoms, they do so by suppressing our natural cycles of ovulation, menstruation, and hormone fluctuation. Placebo pills for the last five days of the cycle can lead to a breakthrough bleed, but it's not a true menstrual period. If you're on a complete suppressive plan, you may menstruate, and I'm kind of saying that with air quotes, as infrequently as every three to 12 months, depending on the type of pill you're taking. But those are also breakthrough bleeds. They're not real periods. You may experience post-pill symptoms, whether you've been on the pill for a couple of months or for years. Though in my experience, women who have been on it for several or more years and certainly for those on it for close to or over a decade, which is incredibly common, are more likely to experience more pronounced hormonal imbalances when they do come off the pill, and often may experience some delay in fertility if they're expecting to get pregnant within a few months. It may take three, six, or 12 months for your cycle to regulate. In Elise's case, it took two years. Now, had she seen someone sooner like me who works with root causes and hormone rebalance, it might not have been quite so long. It's hard to know. 
But that's a very common scenario for women who then come off the pill in their early 30s, find themselves not getting pregnant six months, 12 months later, and now they're walking down the route of fertility treatments. If you went on the pill to address acne or an irregular cycle, the pill may have simply buried your symptoms. So when you come off it, there's a good chance that you're still dealing with those same hormone imbalances, which may have gotten more pronounced over time because the root causes weren't addressed. If you went on the pill for birth control, you may not have been suppressing a specific medical condition or symptoms, but a condition or set of symptoms might have also emerged during that time you were on the pill, but were masked by the pill. And if you're stopping the pill to get pregnant, you may find that it's really discouraging if you're still not cycling 12 to 18 months later, especially like in Elise's case, she and her husband planned a move for about a year and a half after they got off the pill, thinking by then they'd have well gotten pregnant had had the baby and been able to move. So boom, their life plans got, you know, kind of overturned by this whole experience that they had. All's well in the end and they're super happy and have a wonderful family, but it can derail what you expect to happen. So I really just want you to be aware of it. And also something, if you're a mom or a grandmom, something to educate your daughters and granddaughters about, because it just might not be something people expect. And if they know that this is a possibility, it can really forestall them from walking down an unnecessary road of fertility treatments, which can cost tens of thousands of dollars and also expose women to interventions that have sometimes potentially very serious side effects. The pill's power to cover up a wide range of symptoms presents another danger to women. Because we don't feel outwardly uncomfortable, we aren't struggling with PMS, acne, pain, or other obvious symptoms, we don't know that something's going on under the surface. Conditions like PCOS can go untreated. And that's really serious because PCOS is a harbinger of metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes in some women. And those are harbingers of other conditions like heart disease or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So your body creates symptoms. Your body has a way of speaking to you. And as women, one of the most obvious symptoms that we experience are shifts in our hormones. Being on the pill completely suppresses those. It suppresses typical things like having more sex drive during our fertility or more creativity during our fertility. It even changes our facial features and our pheromones so that our... Um, our attractiveness to and our attraction to uh, potential partners and mates is shifted. There are a lot of things that are happening that are really interesting physiologically. So again, I'm not opposed to the pill. There are women in my practice I've even put on the pill for various reasons, although it's extremely rare. But I do want us to always be really knowledgeable about what we're putting in our bodies and also what we're suppressing. So by suppressing your body's normal hormonal flow, your normal hormonal ecosystem, you're actually turning down or shutting off the dial on one of the most sensitive barometers your body has to give you early warning signs that something is going on in your inner or your outer environment that needs attention. The good news is that there are ways to use nutrients, 
herbs, and lifestyle medicine to rebalance your hormones and ease your symptoms when you do come off the pill. And these are methods I've used successfully for over three decades, first as an herbalist and a midwife, and now still as a medical doctor. So how do you reset your hormones naturally? If you're coming off the pill, there are many effective ways to balance your hormones and ease post-pill symptoms. What I'm going to share with you now is what I call my post-pill hormone reset plan. I recommend incorporating either all of the steps at once or pacing it by implementing the first two steps, I'm sorry, the first step for two weeks, then adding in steps two and three for an additional four weeks while you stay on step one. And if needed, at around six weeks of the plan, you can add in step four and you keep kind of incrementally adding this so that at some point you're on all four steps if you need to keep going and adding more on till your cycle gets regular. Some women need three months, some women need six to 12 months on the complete plan for a complete hormone reset. It's really variable. Of course, it's also important to get a proper exam and a consultation with a midwife, a nurse practitioner, or a gynecologist that you trust to make sure that if after six months, nothing more serious is going on. But I often recommend no matter what, when you come off the pill, give it at least three months because it can often take that long. I usually in my practice say, let's give it up to 12 months. But of of course, I'm working one-on-one with my patient so I can measure labs and see if there's anything going on below the surface. And the other thing is, It really depends on how pressured you feel about getting pregnant. So let's say you're 38 and you've been on the pill all this time and now you come off it and you're thinking, yeah, but Dr. Aviva, I don't want to wait two years to see if this regulates out. Give yourself at least six months. Um, After three months, if you want to go in for a gynae evaluation or if you want to wait six months, that's totally appropriate. Usually it's considered um, that we don't give anyone a diagnosis of a fertility challenge until you've tried getting pregnant for one year if you're under 35 or six months if you're over 35. So it's completely reasonable to give it that much amount of time. Now, most of the herbal supplements in this protocol that I'm going to share with you aren't appropriate while you're pregnant, but they can be taken if you're trying to conceive. So if you've come off the pill, you want to do a hormone reset, you know, wait three months if you want to and see if your hormones just regulate out on their own. But if you're having symptoms that are bothering you, go ahead and start the protocol right when you've come off. If you know that you're going to be trying to get pregnant in that same amount of time, three months, six months, 12 months, go ahead and do the protocol. Just stop the herbal supplements once you know that you're pregnant. So step one of the plan is dietary and nutritional strategies. And again, you do this step for two weeks and then you continue this step as a healthy part of your lifestyle indefinitely because these are all important things for women to do to maintain our health and certainly if you're planning to conceive. So the first thing is replacing missing nutrients. I mentioned that hormonal birth control pills can deplete your body's stores of certain nutrients. And this includes vitamin B2, vitamin B6 and vitamin B12, vitamins C and E, magnesium, selenium, zinc, and folate. Now remember, these are all over at avivaram.com forward slash 098. You don't have to write all this down and you don't have to memorize it. It's all there written out for you. 
Vitamin D levels, as I mentioned, may also drop after you come off the pill, although after a few months, those will possibly regulate, but you still want to make sure those are optimized. So what I recommend in my medical practice is to go ahead and get on a multivitamin because that'll have your B complex, it'll have C, E, magnesium, selenium, zinc, and folate, and then go ahead and add in 2,000 units a day of vitamin D3 because that's an amount that most people will do really well on and is not too much for most people. You can also make sure to replace your missing nutrients by emphasizing a nutrient-dense diet. And I always start with food first in my practice. It's just knowing that the pill depletes these nutrients. I also add those in from the beginning. So you want to make sure that you're eating dark leafy greens and other phytonutrient-rich vegetables. So things that are bright colored. Think about it like eating a rainbow and getting a lot of variety so that every meal has at least two color vegetables like green and orange or green and purple be an example. And then low glycemic fruits like berries are also very rich in plant-based nutrients and plant-based chemicals that help your body actually detoxify the estrogen if you were on an estrogen-based oral contraceptive and help regulate out your hormones. Also consider eating a lot of nuts and seeds, particularly seeds in your diet. Now, I hate to bust any bubbles, but there is absolutely no scientific evidence that seed cycling works or is a a real scientific phenomenon. That said, seeds are very, very high in nutrients and quite a number of seeds like pumpkin seeds, flax seeds, and sesame seeds do help to regulate out your hormones. They help regulate out, flax seeds help to regulate out your estrogen levels and pumpkin seeds do help to boost your zinc and your progesterone. So taking them at the first half of your cycle or the second half of your cycle has not been shown to alter hormone levels accordingly to what you're taking, but eating them daily throughout your cycle in general helps to really boost your nutrient status and is great for hormone balance. So I encourage you to have one to two tablespoons of flaxseed. You can grind it up in a blender or Vitamix, sprinkle it on your foods or in your smoothie at least three or four days a week, ideally every day. And then one small handful, about a quarter cup of pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds in your food. You can use nut butters or tahini as well. You also want to eat a good amount of protein in your diet that can be plant-based and a combination of small amounts of pastured and organic animal protein or good quality low mercury fish. Now, you can work with your primary provider or a nutritionist and see if you actually have nutrient deficiencies. If you have nutrient deficiencies, you may need to boost with supplements above what you'll find in just a general multivitamin. So you may need extra magnesium than the couple of hundred milligrams that's usually in there, or you may need more than the 50 micrograms of selenium, for example. So if you are feeling tired, if you're having a lot of imbalances, if you want to get pregnant, it's not, um, it's not unreasonable to go and find a primary provider who can do some simple blood tests, particularly red blood cell magnesium, B12, and vitamin D. Those are good indicators of your nutrient status. And if they're low, then go ahead and get on the extra amount of those nutrients that you need to get them to a good optimal level. 
So the second step of part one is to balance your blood sugar. Research has now linked oral contraceptive use with imbalanced blood sugar and insulin insulin resistance. In fact, a very recent study has found that even just being on birth control for six months at any time in your life can increase your later risk of developing diabetes. Now, chances are, if you're listening to this, given how many women are on oral contraceptives or have been in their lifetime at some point for six months, don't freak. If you get onto this healthy path of keeping keeping your blood sugar optimized and eating a mostly plant-based diet with a healthy complement of good quality animal protein, if you include animal protein, keep your stress level at, you know, we all have some stress, but keep your stress level moderate, get some basic exercise. It will prevent long-term health risks. It's, this is not inevitable just because this was found in science, scientific studies. So two, ha- two factors that wreak havoc on hormone imbalance in general are imbalanced blood sugar and insulin resistance. They set the stage for all kinds of medical conditions. How do you keep your blood sugar balanced? By eating steadily, eating whole, real foods. Don't skip meals and make sure that each meal includes some high-quality protein, healthy fat, and nutrient-dense vegetables. You want to prioritize breakfast and make sure it includes healthy protein and fat. Don't just think about eating protein and fat at dinner, make sure that it's a way you start your day. Keep sugar and white flour to a bare minimum or not at all, and skip the alcohol, which itself can create hormone imbalances, especially estrogen. And sorry again to bust another bubble, but there is no amount of alcohol that really doesn't disrupt hormones. So, you know, a drink now and then, I'm talking once every few weeks, few months, is really, really no joke if you want to keep your hormones super steady. But if you're trying to reset your hormones after being on the pill, really consider three to six months of no alcohol whatsoever to help balance out your hormones again. And then regular moderate exercise also helps keep blood sugar steady and balanced. But here's the thing, over-exercise can have the opposite effect. It jacks up your stress, that jacks up your cortisol, even if it feels like it's relaxing because of all those stress-relieving hormones like endorphins, it actually is affecting your cortisol. So that can have the opposite effect and worsen blood sugar imbalances. Now, dairy is a really interesting conversation when it comes to hormones. Dairy itself is known to have hormones in it. So you're getting hormones from the cow or whatever animal, if it's sheep or goat, but mostly you're going to get the heaviest doses from cows. But also, you're not only getting what the cow is normally producing or the other animals normally producing, you're also getting environmental excess estrogen because it's stored in fat cells and there's a lot of fat in dairy. Even if you get non-fat dairy, um, it's still been absorbed by that cow and it's entering into the milk. Also, studies that do show benefits from women eating some dairy tend to show benefits with full-fat dairy, particularly for fertility. So we know that for some conditions, dairy definitely improves women's hormone balance, which is probably not what you'd expect me to say, but it's actually really true. We know that for women who are struggling with some amount of ovarian insufficiency where the ovaries are quitting too early, heading into perimenopause too early, and for women trying to get pregnant, Actually, having some dairy in the diet, 
even a serving or so a day of good quality organic dairy has been found to improve those conditions. But for some women, like with PCOS, it may actually make the situation worse and it may worsen acne. Women with endometriosis, the studies show it can go both ways. Some studies show that there's worsening of endometriosis with dairy products and other studies show improvement. So here's what I recommend. While you're trying to reset your hormones, go ahead and take a break from dairy altogether. It can probably um, really help for most women. So that is what I recommend in my practice. Definitely take it out for three to six months and even up to 12 months and see how you do. Make sure if you do eat dairy though, that it is organic and full fat because you want to minimize toxin exposure and the full fat helps to maintain blood sugar balance. Once your cycles start to get regular again, if you're trying to get pregnant, then you might decide that you'd like to include some organic full fat dairy in your diet. If for some reason you're just really attached to having dairy in your diet regardless, consider sheep or goat products and focus on having yogurt because having a healthy gut, which is our next step, is really important for healthy hormone balance. So step two is to clear out excess estrogen and reset hormone imbalance. This is especially important if you were on a pill that contained estrogen, but it's also beneficial for reestablishing hormone balance in general. So you want to make sure that you have healthy gut flora because healthy gut flora include bacteria with genes in them that actually break down and eliminate excess estrogen. Together, the combination of all the different estrogen processing organisms form their own community in your gut, and it's called the estrobilome. These bacteria play an especially important role in transforming plant compounds called lignins from vegetables and legumes into other compounds called phytoestrogens, which are plant hormones that protect the body against the risk of excess estrogen that you're producing that may have come from birth control pills or that comes from the environment. To keep your estrobilome happy and healthy, you want to include pre- and probiotic-rich foods in your diet. That includes a lot of fresh vegetables. It includes what are called resistant starches that come from things like squashes, sweet potatoes, Jerusalem artichokes, but also legumes like lentils. And you can take probiotic-rich foods. So for example, if you eat yogurt, then that's a good source. If you're not including dairy, then uh, uh, kimchi and sauerkraut are great sources. Homemade or purchased lacto-fermented vegetables are also great sources. And you can take a high-quality probiotic that contains at least 10 billion colony-forming units from a variety of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium species. Remember to get plenty of fiber in your diet. You want to aim for about 30 grams minimum a day. And steer clear as much as possible of all antibiotics, which can affect your gut flora and, as a result, affect your hormones. You also want to support estrogen metabolism. And that's a fancy way of me saying, send your liver some love. Your liver is in charge of processing and packaging used hormones so they can be eliminated from your body. But most of us are experiencing a combination of overexposure, overload from our environmental toxins that we're constantly exposed to, and also 
insufficient intake of the nutrients our bodies need to keep liver detoxification functions in top form. And guess what some of those nutrients are? The exact ones that oral contraceptives deplete in our bodies, like B-complex, selenium, and magnesium. To help you support your liver's natural ability to detoxify, you want to avoid environmental hormone exposure whenever possible by saying no to plastic food containers, BPS-lined cans, health and body care products that contain synthetic fragrances or harsh chemicals, all toxic household and cleaners, use white vinegar or baking soda, they do wonders, and also things that are a little bit more subtle that you might not realize are really a problem, like dryer sheets and fragranced laundry soaps. Also, non-organic food is a carrier of herbicides and pesticides, which act like estrogen in your body. So these are all adding to the overload. You want to get those to a minimum in your lifestyle, and then you want to add in the foods that your liver loves. These are specifically things like kale, cabbage, collard greens, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, all the things in the what's called the brassicaceae or cruciferous family, and organic berries like blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, and strawberries, but make sure the strawberries are organic because they're heavily pesticided. And these are just all some of the favorites that help your liver do the work it needs to do to help you detoxify. Now, there are also herbs and supplements that support natural hormone detoxification. These include things like curcumin, which comes from turmeric, the adaptogen schizandra, dim, I3C, calcium deglucurate, green tea extract, and N-acetylcysteine. I write about these in other blogs, and I also talk about them at length in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which is about helping you to balance your hormones. The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution focuses on cortisol and thyroid hormones, but the detoxification and gut healing protocol and the dietary plans are very, very relevant. You also want to support your body with herbs that prioritize having bowel movements. So prioritizing number two, once your liver has used up these hormones and toxins that are ready for elimination, your body has to get them all out. And that means they funnel them to your bowel and you have to have a complete bowel movement every day to get rid of them. Think about taking out the trash every day. Now, the best way to do this is to focus on getting plenty of fiber in your diet. So aim for at least two cups of vegetables with each meal. That's like a really big salad or a big portion of green leafy vegetables and a sweet potato. Think about it that way. Or add the two tablespoons of freshly ground flaxseed to your diet, which also adds a a good amount of fiber. Ideally, do both. Getting good exercise every day or at least four or five days a week, getting some vigorous walking in um, can really help move your bowels, as can staying hydrated. And then, of course, everything you do to support your microbiome also helps your bowels. Now, some of my top herbal go-tos for getting things moving are called herbal bitters. This includes dandelion root and yellow dock root. And over at my website at avivaram.com forward slash 098, that's the number of this podcast, podcast episode 98, we're almost at 100, Um, I give you a link to a podcast and a blog I did on herbal bitters. So you can pick your way of using it 
to learn more about how to include herbal bitters. And that's, again, if you need to give your liver some love because your hormones are imbalanced or you're not having a bowel movement every day. All right, step three is to reset your circadian rhythm. While getting enough high-quality sleep is important, resetting our circadian rhythms isn't just about getting more sleep. It's about resyncing your sleep-wake cycle with the sun and the moon. So unless you work a night shift, which makes it a little bit harder, and I do talk about that in The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which is a really important book for you if you have night shift work or you're a midwife who's, or anyone who's losing a lot of sleep at night or sleeping irregularly, because that can eventually take a big toll on your adrenals and thyroid. The first and most important thing to do is to start to sleep when it's dark and get up when the sun is in the sky. You don't have to fall asleep right when the sun sets, which would be at 4.30 in the afternoon, and you don't have to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. But what you do want to get is more circadian balance in your life. So you want to think about getting seven hours of sleep every night, or eight if you can, and heading to bed at whatever time it is you have to wake up in the morning to start your day, minus that seven or eight hours. So if you have to get up at seven o'clock every morning, that means you need to go to bed by about 11 o'clock every night. If you need to get up at 5.30, you back that up by at least seven hours. Another really important thing isn't just getting those hours of sleep, but it's being in the dark for seven to eight hours every night. And this includes not being on blue light, which is computer and phone screens within the hour of going to bed. That is something that you do want to start to have shut down as the evening is setting and you're going into nighttime. Because when you're, when you're on those blue lights, it actually suppresses melatonin. And melatonin plays a really important role in hormone balance, ovarian function, and detoxification. So really focus on if, if all you can do as far as resetting your circadian rhythm goes is getting off of electronics within the hour before bed. If you need to be on your computer till nine because you got to do some work at home, I get it. Try to get a dimmer like Flux, that app on your computer, or on your smartphone, but shut it off an hour before you go to bed so that you're off the computer and off the phone. Once you're getting enough high quality sleep at night, there's something kind of fun that you can do, and that's called lunaception. There's not a lot of science behind it, but the idea is that to regulate your cycle, you sleep in a completely darkened room until the full moon. So make sure you have either blackout curtains or a way to get your room really dark. Make sure there's no night light, no bathroom light streaming in. And then for the day or two before, through the full moon until a day or so after, sleep with your curtains open. I used to do this in my teens because I was so, you know, so keen on having everything in my life be as close to nature as possible. And what's amazing is that it did actually regulate my cycles and it kept my cycles. I always slept that way and my cycles have stayed regular most of my life. But it, but actually, I don't have blackout curtains, but I lived in the country. So it got really dark at night and then it got, you know, light, um, light at the full moon. So something fun that you can try. And again, I talk about it over in the blog. If you want to read about it, avivaram.com forward slash 098. Look for the word lunaception. Now, the fourth and last part of this plan is to add in targeted herbs and supplements. So if you're having a lot 
of hormone imbalances, you're really wanting to, you know, be assertive about getting on track with your cycle. You really are ready to think about conception, for example. You know, you can add in all of these steps at once from the beginning. I always recommend making the dietary changes, supporting your nutrients for the first couple of weeks and getting your gut health going. Resetting your circadian rhythm, making sure that you're getting good sleep is something we all need to ensure all of our lives. But adding in the targeted herbs is something that you can actually wait three to six cycles to do and see how you're feeling. If things kind of regulate on their own by then, maybe you don't need them. But if you're having a lot of symptoms that are troublesome, a lot of mood swings, skin challenges, you find yourself putting on weight, your cycles are all over the place, you're skipping cycles, you're having heavy periods, then you can support your hormone um, balance with targeted herbal supplements from the get-go within a couple of cycles after you go off the pill or right away if you want to. One of my favorite herbs for regulating hormones for women and one of the classics is Vitex. It's also called chasteberry extract. It regulates ovulation, it increases fertility, and it improves both estrogen and progesterone levels. So that's my go-to and I have a whole uh, blog and podcast episode just on Vitex. I love that herb. It's a wonderful herb. So learn more about it and see if that's the one for you. And you could take just that one herb if you'd like. There's another formula that's very popular in Chinese medicine called peony and licorice, like the peony flower, peony and licorice combination. And studies have shown that this particular supplement can increase ovulation and improve vitamin C, uh, improve fertility. I'm going to talk about vitamin C next. So it's on my notes that I have here in front of me. It can improve ovulation and fertility. Now, the thing is, whether or not you want to be fertile right now or get pregnant, we all have to have healthy ovulation. Healthy ovulation is a sign that our hormones are in balance, that our cycles are normal. When you're not ovulating, you run the risk of bone density loss, heavy periods, periods that uh, build up without coming, include risk for the uterine lining. So there are a lot of issues that come when you're not ovulating. So again, you want to get your ovulation on track regardless of whether pregnancy is in the near, far, or never, never land for you. Another uh, nutrient that has been found to improve ovulation and progesterone production is vitamin C. Now, there are also herbs that you can take for specific symptoms or specific conditions. So for example, if you have endometriosis or PCOS or menstrual cramps or menstrual pain, those are topics that I talk about in other blogs, which I link to in the blog on my website. And I also have other podcasts on all of those topics. So those are a number of the different approaches that I take in my practice, always looking at the root causes, doing the four steps to hormone resetting, the nutrient rebalancing and blood sugar rebalancing, gut health, which includes loving your liver and getting your bowels moving and supporting your microbiome and getting your sleep and circadian rhythm back on. And I do have specific articles and podcasts just on sleep and circadian rhythm. So you can kind of explore which route you feel like you need the most help with. And the most important thing is just to give your body love. Be patient with your body. Hormonal birth control is a lot of hormones to take, and it really does disrupt brain 
ovarian communication. Your body is incredibly brilliant and knows how to get back on track. All you have to do is remove the triggers that are getting in the way of that and supporting your body with the nutrients and sleep and TLC that you need to for your body to restore itself. But again, it may have been that you were already dealing with something like PCOS or endometriosis that nobody ever picked up on and led to the symptoms that put you on the OCP, the oral contraceptive pill, in the first place. And so then you're now in the situation where you want to start to explore and learn about what those conditions are, do you have the symptoms of them, and do you need to address those from a root cause perspective. So look for other podcasts and blogs that I've talked about. So Women have fought long and hard for access to contraception so that we could have more control over our reproductive health. The problem is that the pill, while liberating in so many ways, can also have significant and serious unintended consequences. It creates a very specific set of hormone imbalances, but intentionally, that can have short and long-term consequences. Pill-imposed hormone changes also mean it can take some time to restore your own natural hormone cycles after the pill or establish a completely new healthy hormone equilibrium if yours wasn't imbalanced in the first place. Decades of experience have shown me that the steps I've shared with you in this podcast are tried and true for resetting your hormones to healthy. It can take time, and even with a full-on natural approach, Be patient for anywhere from three to six months, but stick with it to get back into your own natural flow, so to speak, and make sure to let me know how it goes for you in the comments section on Natural MD Radio, or if you're checking out the blog over on my website, again, at avivaram.com forward slash 098, you can leave comments over there for me. Before we go, I'd love to ask you a favor, which is to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. There are a lot of podcasts out there and women are looking for the best ones. Your ratings and reviews help a ton because other women see it and say, yes, I can trust this person because this woman liked it. I'm going to give it a try also. Also, most podcasts produced are done so by big companies with a lot of venture capital or they take advertising dollars. We do neither. So the only advertising I have is your word of mouth. So I really appreciate any support you can give to the show. And I will see you next time on Natural MD Radio. Thank you so much for joining me to your health. Until next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.